I'm very excited by the fact that we are making the kinds of moves that we are making within the tech industry, being a company of black women, you know. So for me, breaking that bias is an important thing. And for us to just give tech and edutech a new phase, you know, it doesn't have to be old white men all the time. You know, we can also claim space and we can also say, look, we are breaking that bias um, and we are we are also massive players in the in the game. You are listening to Winning Women, a podcast brought to you by City Press to celebrate the women who define their sectors and pave the way for others to follow. So my name is Kagaza uh, Mohare now. Um, I was born in Temple, uh, recently married last year. Um, and I'm born in Deep Blue, Soweto. And I think generally born to a very creative family. You know, I think music, poetry, theater was all a part of my of my upbringing. So that's where um, I think those seeds were were, were sown. Um, my my parents um, have a very strong history within you know the Black Liberation Movement, and we know that um, the arts played a big role in South Africa's liberation movement. So I think that that's really where that seed um, first started out. Um, I went to Sacred Heart College, you know, when I matriculated, I was now trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do in my life? Um, and stories were always a thing that I was very interested in. Um, and at the time, AFTA was a very new uh, institution. I think it had just um, opened about a year or two uh, before then. This is 2004 that I'm talking about. And my father was not having it. He was just like, mm what fly-by-night school is this that you want to go to? No, you need to go to an established university that is credible, that we know of. You can study whatever you want, but it needs to be at a proper place, you know. And I really, you know, um, bless her soul for that, you know, because um, that's when I then decided, okay, fine, of the universities that are there, um, journalism maybe is something um, that links up to what I really wanted to do at the time, which was really to go and study film and documentary filmmaking, you know. Um, But then I started off at Rhodes, and I really do appreciate having gone to um, a university and able to just explore other things. You know, I studied politics and international relations. I did drama. I did sociology. Um, I worked for the, the, the radio station on campus as well. And I think what I really enjoyed about the journalism uh, honors degree that I did there at uh, Rhodes was that it really gave us a full exposure of, of, of media studies in general. So we started off fine with print. Um, when I joined the radio station, that was another element that I really, really enjoyed, you know, radio journalism and just being a DJ and the music. Um, and then in my third year, I did communication design, you know, which then really sparked, I think, the, the, the graphic design side of things that I do so much of right now. And in my honors year, then did something that was called new media and web development back then. And that was really about bringing everything together, the writing, the audio, the video, and to become a multimedia journalist. So I really found, having gone through that path, that when I graduated, I was amongst few journalists, I think, who were entering a newsroom who could give you a story. You tell me, do you want the story in writing? Do you want it as audio? Do you want it as video? Do you want a multimedia package? You know, I can I can do it, you know. Also, I mean, online journalism wasn't at all what it is today, you know. Um, part of my challenge was actually coming in and 
one being an HOD, but the youngest HOD there. I had people who had been doing journalism longer than I was alive, even, you know, other um, editors who I was now sitting in a room with and had to be equals with on some on some level, you know, that was quite challenging. Um, but I think definitely an opportunity to grow. Um, also, I think a lot of what I did in those early years was really just around um, digital skills for journalists, you know, um, them understanding Twitter. Twitter was very new at the time. Um, and I remember a lot of journalists were sort of fighting it, you know, because they were saying, how am I going to be live tweeting at a conference? How am I writing my notes uh, when I get home? And now the editor is wanting a story and all I have is tweets maybe you know so it was just a lot of that you know bringing the newspaper um online eventually the online team grew as well and I think we were able to do a lot of work um I also really managed to do a lot of the multimedia um journalism at the time creating videos you know going out whether it was a protest or it was um a a, a lifestyle story or it was an entertainment story we were able to get exposed to 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 that full world of of, of journalism thank you to you guys because of people like you now we are Nazi we are able to do you know those uh, <laughs> very many layers uh, that have to do with uh, putting a story together um now Part of this interview will focus, obviously, on Digify Africa. How did you get into that space? I know you're the COO now, but I mean, obviously, you started somewhere just like how you started somewhere at City Press. How did you get into it? Um, maybe a bit about the organization. We know that, you know, if we go on the website, we'll read that it's about sure. digital divide and overcoming them. But for you, if you're talking about it on a more personal level, what it means to you and how you got into that space of digital Africa. Mm-hmm. So after City Press, I moved to a place uh, called Don't Look Down. And it was a really exciting space that was um, the bridge between sort of TV and the audience and how we're using social media to, um, yeah, bridge, bridge, bridge that gap, you know. And I spent um, many years there. And that was also really exciting, especially when it comes to digital, to really just expanding my mind. But I think the one thing I was really needing and really looking for was the impact. You know, what am I, what am I doing? At least I think, you know, with City Press, when there were like really big, important stories that you were involved in, you felt a sense of pride to say, I'm actually making a difference. You know, I'm telling stories that matter. As amazing as entertainment world is, you know, because we were working a lot with uh, DSTV shows. So Idols, Big Brother, um, Ismaya, Boor, Sukafro, all of them. You know, it was very exciting to be in that world. But I think something kept on asking, like I kept on asking myself, and then what? You know, who's... Whose life are we changing um, with this, you know? Um, I had heard of, it was called Liberty Africa back then. So they used to produce a a magazine, a live magazine, where it was really about training up young people uh, to become journalists and then having them actually write stories from their own communities. And I loved it. I loved just the idea of live mag, you know. So I kept finding out, okay, how can I get involved, you know. And for many years, I would come in to do a talk on digital skills for journalism, you know, where I was just letting the young people know that this is this is what we're doing, you know. But I really wanted to work there. I really wanted a job there. Um, and I think I applied for one, but a very good friend of mine actually got it. Um, and I was happy for her, but sad for myself. Um, and I only started working there um, 2015, you know, but each year I was just like, call me whenever you want or something. I'll talk, 
a mentorship, a whatever, you know, um, please call me, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the family, you know. Then eventually there was another program that started called Digify Pro. And what Digify Pro was about was to say, looking at the advertising industry in South Africa, it's very white. Um, and then also looking at um, the fees for advertising schools like AAA, easy 70,000 rands, you know, just for one year, which means that it locks out a lot of our people from the industry. You know, you begin to understand why the industry is so white if the fees are just that expensive, you know. Um, and it was it was a, a, a project in partnership with Google. Um, and it was really about how do we take young people through a 10-week boot camp that would teach them everything about digital marketing. Digital marketing was also... Um, really a growing demand um, at that time from a lot of agencies, but there were just not enough young people who were coming through with that skill, particularly young black people, you know? And when I heard about that project, I was like, look, it's not Live Mag. I thought I really, I was trying to get into Live Mag, but it's close enough to what I wanted to do. You know, it's about helping young people. It's about making a difference. And it's this world of digital that I'm now in and, and also discovering just how big and how broad it is, you know? So I joined as a project manager for Digify Pro. And that was fantastic to be able to see. I mean, we were taking a group of 20 young people um, and we were looking for young people who university isn't an option for you. You know, uh, maybe we're looking for young people who had started their degree, but then they be they were excluded because of financial uh, reasons. Or GA university was never an option. Like there was, it, it's just not possible. And we were saying, let's take you who have the potential and let's give you an opportunity. Let's give you this free course that you go through and then place you in an agency um, in an internship or in an entry-level um, job, you know. And we ran that successfully for many years. Um, and I think that that's really when my love just for youth development really began because it's it's there's no way I can describe, you know, the feeling of seeing someone come in and in, on the interview, they're shy, they're nervous, they don't know what to do. And then you just see them flourish through the three months because it was a very intensive three months that, you put, that, that we put them through. And then afterwards to be able to check on them when we walk into agencies and they're the ones doing presentations and they're just, you know, they've really just become something else in a year, you know. Um, yeah, so I think for me, it was really just being drawn to the to to the mission of of really equipping our people with the skills that they need for 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 their digital careers. Um, I think just also positive. I just I want to know more. I want to do. I'm a I'm a team player. If there's a task, I'll put my hand up. You know. So there was a time when uh, Liberty Africa went through some very very rough financial times. You know, and we had to retrench sixty percent of our staff. You know, and at this time we had really grown. The program that I was running, I was running the program in Johannesburg and we had also launched it in Cape Town. So I was bouncing between the two cities, you know, but it really was a, a, a bubbling space, you know, um, but then had some real financial difficulties and really went through the hardest time. And in that time, um, I think, you know, the, the um, Gavin Wheel, who's the founder of the business, was really looking at the staff and seeing who's putting their hand up, you know, in these tough times, you know. So for me, I just I really was dedicated to helping to push the company forward, you know, and I think being able to step up in that time was really what the company needed, you know, just someone that he could trust to then say, okay, here's someone who, because a lot of people were also leaving at the time and you'd completely understand, you know, I look back at it and I don't really know what made me stay, honestly, you know, I, that should have been a time where even I was looking for a job and I was just like, I, I'm out, you know, but something, and I think it really is about the impact 
um, and about the young people, you know, and I think because I worked directly with all of the young people, I knew the work that we were doing, you know, deeply. What do you think the struggles are for the youth in terms of developing them in this country, especially in the country and then Africa as a whole? But what do you think it is that has made it difficult or that is sort of a hindrance in that space? I mean, I think there's a lot of issues there, you know, Um, but maybe to name a few, one, I'd say real political will. Um, I think if we really had like a political leadership that uh, really prioritized um, the things that they say they prioritize, you know, so if they really were committed to housing and healthcare and youth development and employment, you know, um, that would really provide us with the kind of leadership and political leadership and political will that we need. Because the, the problem is one that's, it requires a lot of parties who are going to come together to act together. And I don't think that there is enough of that coming together, you know. Um, then I also think that um, infrastructure becomes a real problem, you know. So we're coming in and we're, we're doing digital skills training, you know. But there's no electricity, there's no Wi-Fi. There's, so all of this amazing stuff that we're talking about, we don't even have those, those, those very basics, you know. Um, so that becomes, that becomes a problem, you know. I think our schooling system and our education system as well, I think it's not as structured as it should be. And I think, I think education really does need an overhaul, just start from scratch, you know, to say what is really important. You know, I think our education and our curriculum is still very archaic, you know, um, and I think that that needs to be to be looked at, you know, but then as well, what support are we giving to teachers as we introduce new things, you know, so this is one of the programs that we run, internet safety training, when we started speaking to the teachers, they were saying that this is something that they really need because COVID hits um, and we're moving schooling and everything to online, but no one sits the teachers down and says, here's training that we're going to take you through. Here's the structure. Here's what's going to happen. You know, um, I think funding is also um, a, a, a massive barrier um, for, for organizations like ourselves, you know, so we, we, um, the Digify Foundation is an NGO and, the, and we are the ones who are then doing this, this training. A lot of our funding has got to come from, Google from Facebook, which is now Meta, you know, or the British High Commission, you know, but we don't get any local funding, really. So I think we rely on uh, Europe and America again to come and save Africa, you know, because I I don't know what's happening to our budgets. You know, we don't have the budgets, but then when you hear about just how much corruption there is and how much money has actually gone into people's pockets, you realize that there's just a lack of political will. You know, people are just putting their needs before the nation, you know, and I think that that becomes something that's massive. Um, And then I think lastly, it just becomes the environment, you know, so I can come in and I can teach you about entrepreneurship, you know, or I can teach you about... um, employability skills but if there are no jobs out there then even you as a young people a young person you know you 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 end up being disheartened you know um so i think hey man there's a lot there's a lot you know and even as we offer these these programs our programs are freely available to young people but because they're online you need data data is really expensive so that becomes a barrier we might as well not have even put an opportunity there for you if you can't access it you know so there's a lot. And I think we all the different parties who are involved aren't working and talking to each other enough. People are always saying that uh, we don't have enough women in tech, especially black women 
and things like that. So I wanted to get that. Is there still room for more women in the tech space? Are there not enough still black women specifically? As a company as well, we really take pride in the fact that we have got a 65% um, black women staff uh, complement. Our leadership team is also 75% black women, you know, and I think for me, um, I'm very excited by the fact that we are making the kinds of moves that we are making within the tech industry being a company of black women, you know. So for me, breaking that bias is an important thing. And for us to just give tech and edutech a new face, you know, it doesn't have to be old white men all the time. You know, we can also claim space and we can also say, look, we are breaking that bias um, and we are we are also massive players in the, in the game. So if you look at globally within like global um, companies, I think it's only like 19% um, of women who are leading those 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 companies you know so i think there definitely is a lot of women especially when you just look at our populations you know and we just see how many women there are there's more women than men you know and until our labor stats start to reflect that then there definitely is room for for more you know um there's a lot of work that is done uh, particularly in schools to get young girls um in into into stem subjects you know so that we have got more young girls going into science and technology you know because it really is important to 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 do um look for me uh, i don't think that the struggle to get women into the positions that we deserve is ever over you know um and we are still a long way away from it you know um but as companies like um digify you know that make it yeah possible you know and you're able to see that actually we are able to 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 stand our own and are able to take up space you know and i think i mean i'm i'm excited when i do see those um programs for young girls whether it becomes about coding or science or technology or anything in that way you know um, so that we can be able to produce more uh, global tech leaders who are young and black you know and african uh especially now linking to this topic of black women in tech the space what have been for you some of the challenges if there have been any in the space and what have been some of the positives for you uh, positives for you especially i mean moving up to the position that you're in now for you mm-hmm. yeah you know i think i think i'll say that i've been very fortunate um in my in my dealings that i have just always i think yeah worked for the kinds of companies that have respected um, women in our position, you know? Um, So I think personally, I don't necessarily have a lot of the horror stories that I do hear though from my own peers, you know, and I do know are are a reality that many women face, you know? But I think even just down to presentation, you know, and how we present ourselves, you know, there was a a colleague of ours who had this beautiful bright blue hair one day in a, in a, in a staff meeting, you know, and she was very nervous about it because in the company that she'd been in before, um, something like that would not be allowed. There was a girl who was actually even asked to go and take out her braids the very next day, you know, after doing that, you know, but I think for me, that becomes a policing of how we present ourselves as women, you know, um, and, and, and having these stringent rules um, against, against that, you know, which I think are rules that really affect us as women more than more than more than men, you know. Um, I think, you know, they they there will be times and I do feel it, you know, where 
um, I'm, I'm whether presenting to a client or potential partner or anything, you know, and until my white male partner, you know, starts talking, then they start to take um, them seriously. So, I mean, look, in as much as I say I am fortunate, there have been times where I've experienced that, that thing. You know, I think when, particularly when I was working in Cape Town, um, I thought Joburg's industry needed transformation. Cape Town was even worse, you know, and you would really feel it walking into a room. And every time I'm just like, oh, another room where I'm the only black woman again, you know. Um, I think it's moments like that where you just realize, like, you know, there's 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 so much that needs to change, you know. Um, but I think what's also really exciting about digital is that because it's so young and so fresh, we are seeing also a lot of young black women who are coming up and are doing really amazing things within within the the, the space, you know. Um, and that's very exciting. There's a lot of us who, um, yeah, whether you know, I mean, there's 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 Leslie Ann who's at the Tsimolohong, um precinct, you know, and the work that she's doing there. Um, you know, there's Vuya Dubese who's also just there's yeah there's pockets of young black women who are in these spaces who are working together and we are starting to have this conversation because I think that that's the one thing about women is that I just find us a lot more collaborative generally than than men you know um when you enter a space I think we just I find that yeah there's more of a of a conversation around how do we bring on more women in, in into the circle, you know? Um, so that's been really exciting. Thank you for listening to another episode of Winning Women. Let us know your thoughts on our social media or visit citypress.co.za for news and analysis. <laughs>